Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. It's a pleasure to have the two UAP officials. Well, Larry's a JFK guy in my book, but Campbell, it's nice to see you. Larry, it's nice to see you as well, too. I brought you guys on here to talk about a UAP discussion, so we're leaving JFK off the table. Uh, how's everything been, guys? I mean, government announced UAPs. They didn't show shit, but apparently there was a NASA thing I missed, and we're going to have to watch that at some point. <laughs> It's like nobody could nobody could talk about the subject for four decades, and now you just can't even like avoid it. I know. Uh, <laughs> There's a hearing like every day, really, from Mexico, NASA. There's one dude with tinfoil hat in a basement, just like I fucking knew it. Like you know, he's screaming. You, see them UAP sightings are down. UAP hearings are up. <laughs> That's interesting. That's <laughs> it's actually a very accurate statement. Yeah, Larry. Uh, you know, you have so much knowledge on this subject, so much experience. It's been uh, great to talk to you in the past. I was very curious when I was watching that hearing, what your thoughts are, how it compares to the hearings that started happening in the 60s. Uh, did you see much difference there? And if you did, uh, what were the standout things that were like dis very distinct? I, I think what the difference to me, it, it, back in the 50s, there was always a public side and a what's going on behind the scenes sides, the document side. Our, the fun thing is now we can see what was being said internally versus what the PR thing, you know, when they had a press conference, when they had a meeting, and we know that they were entirely different. You know, we can't see what's going on now, but I have to say, like in the in the NASA meeting yesterday, a lot of it appears to me to be canned. It's like effect. I, I don't need to hear one more statement that says we found no evidence of extraterrestrials. Like nobody asks you to find any evidence of extraterrestrial. You know, they just roll out the same statements again and again. Now, if they had said we found no evidence of intelligence in regard to UAPs, that would have been a blockbuster. But they do, they're falling back on the same sound bites, and that that's the same thing we heard back then. Uh, they 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 fall back on safe sound bites, and and that's become the safest one as long as. It's like as long as I can say, oh, we found no evidence of extraterrestrials. Anything else I say has got to be good. You know, I'm covered. Well, I mean, this is pretty relevant only because the first time they've ever acknowledged UAPs or anything like this before. I mean, before it was always a dismissal of it, I mean, even though in their own back channels, they might have been writing documents about whatever. But this is the first time that they've opened it up to the public and the public does not care. Like you watch the hearing, they literally say, we're going to have to talk about it in a skiff or something of that sort. And I'm like, they're going on into a small boat to talk about this. Why do they got it? I'm kidding. They, I know what the skiff is, but they were saying everything in secret. I was like, there was no point in having a hearing. You just made these people look like idiots, basically. And the fact that the government did that and nobody bought it is really, really telling. Well, if the fact that they did it, I think it's. And we've talked about the fact the most amazing thing I've seen in decades of researching anything in regard to the government is the way AARO responded to that House committee hearing with publishing a website that essentially was the strongest language that I've ever seen that says they have a congressional mandate that overrides any classification, any confidentiality agreement. If everybody that talked about not being able to talk to them or not being able to, my classification, I can't talk to you, is out the window. 
an AARO threw that in everybody's face and said, no, either you come talk to us or you're just woofing in the wind because there are no legal restraints anymore. And here, here's the language. If you had a, if you're a government contractor and you had a confidentiality agreement, doesn't apply. If you had a compartmentalized classification, a highest, doesn't apply. You come talk to us. We'll put you in a skiff if it comes to that. And that just blew away what the House committee had done. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, in your face. Something I found pretty interesting in that hearing was uh, how David uh, Grush, the uh, whistleblower who is now coming forward, he said that he's spoken to, uh, he said about four uh, relatively or high levels of government uh, behind closed doors. And he was saying essentially uh, things like, you know, if you heard and saw the people that I've spoken to, you would all have your minds blown. Uh, do you think, Larry, that uh, anything's going to come of that? Are we actually going to see movement? Uh, well, two things came of that. I mean, the director of AARO issued his own private response. Yeah, that's like true. within two, three days that said, no, he's not talked. He's not talked to me. He has not talked to my people. And as a matter of fact, it was it was pretty clear that he resented being thrown under the bus that way. And I, I think that's yeah. what directly promoted this response on their website that says, you know, no, I, whoever they were referring to, all those people that Rush said he had talked to, you come talk to us. You know, we haven't heard from you. There's no reason you can't. So here's the thing. AARO certainly has opened the door. If anybody's out there that's real, they can go to talk to AARO. If, if they have any, you know, clearly it will be in private. Clearly it will be confidential. We won't hear about it. So I think, Campbell, in regard to your question, the good news is they have an open door legally. So anybody who wants to get something off their chest uh, is free to do so. But that doesn't mean that we're ever going to hear about it. It would mean that they're a, and they have to brief Congress about it. And, and we've got to keep in mind that the committee, the oversight committee for AARO is a totally different committee. And those people do have classifications that allow them to hear things, unlike the House committee that we all saw. Um, so something may come with it within the government. But if it's really good stuff, we're not going to see it. I mean, that's we're back to will the nation make progress? Maybe so. Will the military make progress? Will you know, so some progress could really be made if there's really a story out there to tell. Um, and and it would be embarrassing if AARO comes back in six months and said, uh, by the way, nobody has still come talk to us. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe uh, Grush's claims and any of the other members that are on that board that are fighting to talk about alien biologics? I mean, when someone asks, like, do you think these crafts define or defy gravity or physics? And the guy says, in the way that we have understood them, yes. I mean, that dude, I don't know if it's Commander Favor or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, he was very elegant and very direct with his questioning that I thought was kind of really important that needed to be in that hearing room on 
I mean, do you believe those claims though? Of them? That's that's a totally different set of the, the pilots, the the people that have had these observations are absolutely telling the truth about what they saw about an unidentified intelligence, something that's acting intelligently, and something that's totally unconventional as far as there's no doubt they're telling the truth. Now, and AARO has already heard from them. Okay, I mean those stories are pretty well all documented. The other side of the coin on the crash recoveries and the corporate, you know, skimming of monies and reverse engineering, that's the whistleblower story is an entirely different thing. I, I think Grush sincerely believes what he's been told. The problem is the entire UFO community has heard all those stories now since Roswell. They heard them from Corso first. None of that is new. They've been circulating. So unless we knew, I, I, I know, I think he believes them, but I don't know where they came from unless we know. The story. He might believe something that Corso said that somebody else repeated, that somebody else repeated, that's been totally debunked. I, I don't believe Grush knows that much about the subject to be able to evaluate rumor and gossip from something new. I when you talk about the fact that, oh, there are recovered materials, we all know that there have been recovered materials. There there have been recovered materials from Brazil, from Ubatuba that have been analyzed. So there have been, but then that can be built into something bigger. You know, was it a piece of magnesium that somebody was talking about? Or now is it a craft? Unless his... If his sources, so quick answers, Campbell, I believe he's sincere. I believe several of the other people that we're talking about sincere. What I just don't know about is his sources and are the same, are, if they're the same sources that we have heard about for the last, since Roswell. What would be stopping no, those I don't. Source, what would this? What would be stopping those sources from stepping forward? I mean, obviously, if we talk about stigma or anything like that, but I think at this point it's up in the open that a lot more people have probably been open about the belief in UAPs or some evidence saying that they saw something where I feel like now it wouldn't be death. It wouldn't be anything obviously very serious that would be holding them back from this. Yeah. But Well, okay. Yeah, there's two twofold. Campbell, I don't want to do all the talking, but the, the thing is, if I'm a government scientist, who I've been working on a classified project. I'm, I can't talk to the public about that any more than I could a week ago. If I'm a government contractor who's been handling a piece of material that I've been implied has come from a crash UAP, I can't talk anymore about that. I can't talk to the public, can't talk to the press, can't talk to my buddies, shouldn't be talking to my buddies, but I can talk to ARRO. The, the legislation that was passed totally covers them from going to tell their story to a legislative uh, developed committee, which ARRO is. So it's like, I'm good in one hand. I, no, I still can't talk to all the people. I still, still couldn't. Now I can talk to these people. So either they come forward now, it's, it's like put up or shut up. Well, someone did this come forward a while back, but he was slandered and labeled as such. Bob Lazar stepped forward a while ago talking about Area S1 
um, and these types of elements there. And he was completely slandered. And it turns out a lot of his claims actually might have had some weight to it. I never stopped believing uh, his story on things. I mean, he wasn't really going for any incentive or any gain. I mean, head shaking. I need to send you a file on him. Okay. The, the head shaking in the picture says no. Uh, uh, again, not that Lazar. What we don't have, Robbie, I think is one, one of the problems is here's here's the real world. Okay, and I'll give you a real world example. If Lazar had started talking about the way he did, he should have been arrested and in Leavenworth the next week. That's the way the real world works. I will tell you, it's like the MJ-12 documents. The MJ-12 documents were taken to the FBI as being real released classified documents. The FBI investigated as they do in all criminal reports and found out they weren't real. So there was no, nothing had been filed. They weren't real documents. I know the guys that worked on the case. They, they weren't real documents, so we can't convict anybody. I can take you all the way back to the 1950s when a guy makes a UFO report, the F, U, the Air Force investigates it. They determine that he lied and it was a hoax, but legally he can't. There's he wasn't real. He, you know, so it gets back to Lazar, the mere fact that, that he has wandered around telling this story forever tells you that it's not real. And, and I'm I'm sorry, that's the way I've seen people like we've all seen. Doc, who, who has not seen people that released document government documents that were real that didn't get put in jail? I mean, I, I can tell you a guy who walked out of the National Archives and stole a document. Just literally put it in his shoe. Did he get prosecuted? Yeah. So I, I think we don't treat this as seriously as it really is. So I, I'm sorry, long winded again, no, Larry answer. I'm just, I'm just, it's complicated because I don't know how you can treat it seriously when obviously the government's not as taking it as seriously as they probably should be. I mean, some of these claims should have be sought after and should have been opened. And there's plenty of people out there that have voiced an opinion about UAPs or information. Nick Pope's the biggest one. It seems like he's profited the most off of his ancient alien stuff, but there's been a lot of things that now it's, not even lumped in the conspiracy realm, but it's lumped in the distortion realm of the public. I mean, look at all the people trying to understand what is going on and if they're actually interested in UAPs. The discussion is too divided to even have a basic conversation on it. Some people believe one person's claim, like Louis Zondo's, and another person believes Mick West, or another person believes whatever. I still think it's government stuff going on, but also they've leaked out so much information and We'll show the NASA thing in a minute, but whatever they showed last night. But you leave messages like alien biologics. You have that on television and the government's just kind of like, what? What do they do? Are they investigating some of these claims as well, too? I mean, do they have bodies? Is that a security issue? How come we only got nine pages in the UAP report back in January 2021 or 2022? And every other country released over thousands of pages. That's suspicious to me. That doesn't make sense. Well, one of the things you've got to look at is who's investigating what right now. There, I want you to tell me the bullshit, Larry. Tell me it. Since 1970, there's been nobody to invest. There, there's been nobody to give I UFO reports to in the government Kill and them. nobody to investigate UFO reports. 
So what are you expecting to see? Suddenly they create this new office two years ago, right? AARO. And suddenly they're at least taking reports and guess how many they have. You just said it. They now got 280. Now, are they investigating all the ones that we had? Are they looking at the history at all? No, they're not. I'm, I'm not going to defend them. They're doing just what the Air Force did. Give me a report. I'll investigate it. Kind of like on NASA yesterday. Give me a new report and I'll investigate it. Sits in a closet for like a year. Nobody ever looks at it. Oh, I'm pretty sure I, that's what that's what uh what oh god I just said his name Fraber that's what he said in the thing he's like I'm sure there's plenty of documents that nobody's even bothered to look at that's just stacked in a room somewhere. Oh, I think that's okay, Campbell. I, you're embarrassing me. You need time. We know there are lots of documents. Let Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go back to 1975, which gets talked about with all the missiles, right? Or were there documents on that? Yeah, there were documents at No Red. And there were documents at the National Military Command Center. And they just sit there because it's paperwork, right? That's They're there. How did we ever learn about it? Somebody did a Freedom of Information Access and found them. Is there anybody doing FOIAs with the National Military Command Center for like 1975 to 2023? I don't know that there is. I know AAR is not doing i know nasa's not doing it. so yeah i agree i think that there are lots of documents sitting around that could be explosive but it's not that they're being protected they're just they're there like you just said yeah they're there well i think it's a large amount of government incompetence too but i just don't know why there would do a hearing about it and as like a show if it's like a spectacle to them like i don't necessarily believe whatever they said last night in the nasa hearing as well either I'm not saying that they're lying on purpose. I just don't think I don't know what to believe at this point. I mean, I, I, I've never tossed the UAP community if it was aliens. I don't think it's aliens at all. I don't think it's anything like that. I think there's a large amount of disinformation out there, um, whether these people like Cruz were given some information or someone leaked a document that could possibly be fake as a way of a government manipulational tactic. But I don't know why then we're going to start funneling more money into the government to do UAP research teams and things of this sort is where I start having a problem with. I mean, NASA makes $26 billion a year. I'm not not to beat that horse dead, but bruh, there's homeless people we could have been feeding for a long time. We could have fixed that problem real quick. But that's my thing is I from a public's point of view, without any bias in anything, the only perspective I have is the line the government's done with the JFK stuff. So I'm more likely to be inclined to point fingers at the government as what are they doing with all this? What is their end goal in all this? And well, Robbie, yeah, as you like, as you know, I'm a member of the skeptic community. There's a big variety of uh, different opinions, even within that community, about what's going on with this uh, low recent hearing, as well as the subject more generally. I uh, agree with uh, Larry's assessment about Grush. I think he's uh, sincerely uh, motivated. I think that he believes what he's saying. Uh, it, it's worth considering, though, in terms of why is the government doing this now, that uh, the government is a variety of individuals and the hearings are not uh, driven top down. These are actually being uh, brought forward by members of Congress because the subject is becoming increasingly popular, I would argue. 
And uh, what we saw even back in the day in the 60s, uh, the person who was leading the efforts, uh, Gerald Ford, he, I mean, not by election, but he became president and he had been in uh, sort of driving the driving force in bringing this into a, a hearing uh, setting in front of the government. So I don't... I, my opinion as a skeptic uh, even is to say when they're looking at the documents, looking at the behavior of the government now, uh, Robbie, I think they're trying to top down, trying to manage it and in many ways uh, limit the conversation because according to their own internal documents, they see a genuine threat of related to the subject with respect to uh, foreign adversaries using it in a variety of different propaganda ways uh, for their benefit, uh, in part, actually, uh, through encouraging people to lean into the FOIA process and dig up documents that could be uh, useful to uh, foreign adversaries. So there's a, I think there's a big variety of different intentions happening, but I wouldn't say that this is a top-down government effort to uh, lead this conversation. Yeah, what do you think, Larry? I think that's an excellent point. This is political theater. That's I mean, what I'm in saying. In all honesty, that let, let's look at those two, the House committees, okay? There is a Senate side to it that's not quite as much, that, that's a defense bill writer. But in the House, the, the committee that we're talking about, and, and I'll give you a flavor for it, nobody could have watched that committee and not see the politics in action, regardless of what the chair says. When when fervor is on, when when the, one of the pilots is trying to talk about what he saw, and this older lady legislator won't let him talk, and want, wants to do, she uses all of her time and all of her segments talking about the Chinese balloons to attack the Biden administration. Now, whether or not they need to be attacked is irrelevant. A lot of those people were simply taking. And anti this is a spending oversight committee. What the the theme that they were really pushing was, oh, their government is misspending all your funds. They're putting it into these black budgets. It's being skimmed off by corporations. They're doing all this evil stuff. It was basically an anti-government forum. It's not a UAP forum uh, because the politicians have, quite frankly, at the moment, one of the best basis they've got is an anti-government, which is not nothing new. I mean, there were the McCarthy here. This, this is what Congress does. It's like, can I dig at the administration? Okay, let's have a hearing on something that will help me dig at the administration. The What Campbell said, I think, for the, the, the House Security Committee is much more accurate. At least they have a responsibility to ask questions and go on record. Are these Chinese drones? Are, you know, so there's this a little bit more real world. It, yes, it's politics, but it's kinder, gentler politics. What's going on in the Senate is totally different because if Schumer manages to get a writer through the Senate that creates an independent investigative potty modeled on the AR, A Assassinations Records Review Board, if he gets that put into place, that would be a totally different ballgame, just like it was for the JFK assassination. So there, there are three political plays. Two of them essentially are Republicans in the House, and one of them is Democrat in the Senate. And what we have historically uh, is 
two, I would say, significant reports, uh, one public, one private, one from the United States, one from the United Kingdom, uh, very similar circumstances in the United States. You know, you had the U.S. Air Force Blue Book program, uh, as um, Larry was mentioning, a public facing to receive reports, uh, you know, type of thing. And then it culminated in the uh, Condon Committee report, uh, which obviously, you know, there's a lot of uh, well uh, studied issues with that report. Um, there also was the independent uh, National Academy of Sciences review, the 69, um, and that the final report uh, that was, you know, uh, commissioned by the U.S. Air Force to wrap up Blue Book effectively, they found that there wasn't any scientific value in continuing to collect these reports. They weren't really learning anything new. They thought that uh, the most exceptional uh, observations were a variety of things, but a mixture of, um, you know, misidentifications and uh, a couple of the most exceptional, like Leveland and uh, Minot, they attributed to ball lightning. And then we have um, the UK Ministry of Defense report, which was a classified report in 2000, which was the same exact thing used to wrap up 30 years of receiving reports of UFOs, UAP from the public. And that report separately, and that was finished in 2000, it was classified until 2006, declassified through Freedom of Information. They found basically identically, there's no more value in collecting these reports. We aren't getting anything scientifically from the reports themselves. However, there may be actually something worth studying uh, independent of the reports. We think that the most uh, unique reports likely in their uh, argument that they say almost certainly represent an unusual form of ball lightning that we want to study independent of the reports. We aren't getting any value from actually getting people to put in these reports anymore. But the point is that both of those things were used to shut down receiving reports from the public. And what I'm seeing like a, rebooting uh, of the whole process from the ground up. And uh, I can't help but feel that all of this is sort of moving in the same direction where uh, it's going to sort of the people from the public uh, who are interested in the subject are looking for disclosure and they're hoping that these uh, reports, the final reports are going to produce a, a meaningful impact. They're going to reveal something monumental and bring this information public. But every uh, historical example of this kind of process results in the exact opposite uh, effect, ultimately. Uh, is there any, Larry, what do you think of that? Do you think that it's similar? I call it the bucket approach, okay? Um, because essentially what Blue Book did was to take report by report, and if they could come up with any conceivable explanation, they gave one for that report. And if they couldn't, they looked left it in an unidentified bucket. They didn't do anything with it. They just left it in an unidentified bucket. And then they played with the statistics to make you feel good that there were relatively few of those. So don't worry about it, okay? Now, let's look at what NASA did yesterday. NASA showed some pictures yesterday, okay? And essentially, they showed some pictures and said, we've looked at this one and we think that it's it really is an airplane. There's a cavitation effect. We think it's really an airplane. So we judge that to be an airplane. We have another one over here that there's just not enough data. We don't know what it is. We're leaving it in the unidentified bucket. They didn't say that they were turning it over to anyone to do anything with. We're just leaving it in the unidentified bucket. And you can feel good because there aren't many of those. What's AAR doing? ARO is doing the same thing. They have me, they have 
sessions and they will say, we had X number of reports and here are some pictures. And we managed to identify this one and we can't identify this one and they're leaving them in the buckets. Are they giving them to anybody? No, they're, there's just not in any. So we will end up in this exactly the same place that we did with Blue Book. Eventually, I would say from both of them, it's just a lot of incidents that they could identify, some that they can't, and then they're there. We're done. It's gone. Uh, nobody is going to. And it's a feel good thing. I think you, you said it. It's it's how do you deal with the problem? It, it, neither agency wants it. None of the military services want this. They have things to do. You know, if if it's unidentified and it shoots at them, they'll deal with it. You know, NASA, it's like unless it runs into us, we don't care. You know, they have day jobs. They don't really want this. We we saw this before when the senator from Utah got millions of dollars into a budget with a government agency that didn't want it. Did they spend it? Yeah, they spent it, but because we don't, it's the law it says we got it, we got to do something with it, but they don't really want it. So yeah, Campbell, I, I see no, you know, I, I see no, that it's not being treated any differently than it was before. Uh, if, if one time I see one of them say, here's a report that's unidentified, it's clearly unconventional technology, whatever, and we're going to hand it off to DARPA or somebody who really understands advanced physics. And they're going to, I would, then I would feel encouraged, but there's no sign of that going on. Well, I would think they would step up and try and verify what claims, the massive amount of claims that have been thrown throughout the UAP community of people coming forward or what they would call whistleblowers. And I think whether they would just go but ARO says that they're going to look at the history. They haven't yet. I think NASA's statement yesterday, you tell me, Campbell, I didn't see NASA showing any inclination that they were even going to look at history. I don't think so. Yeah, and they said uh, zero uh, formerly classified data, very uh, restricted scope. It's uh, Larry, something I was uh, thinking about uh, earlier when you were mentioning uh, Grush, and I'd love to hear your take on this. Just um, he he led with some historical examples like you and I from reading a number like the Blue Book files, uh, declassified CIA memos, things like that. Like there are really interesting things going on in this subject worthy like and and I can't get like a most I don't want to say all but most skeptics. I can't get them to look at the historical documents even in a similar way almost where it's like uh, we'll focus on what's here and now just uh, sort of uh, things that are occurring, you know, and I think that the I have a similar problem. I'm working with a number of scientists who are hardcore scientists, physicists. Okay. And I, I, I will tell them, look, come with me back to Colleen base in Texas in 1948. And I will give you a whole series of instrumented data collection of people using optical instruments their army, their military, they, this is what they do, of tracking these UAPs so that they can measure speed, height, and acceleration. It's all written down. We still have those records decades later. I, I can't get anybody to look at them. And, and they obvious, 
when the army submitted them to Blue Book, Blue Book wouldn't look at them either. So as you're saying, this is nothing new, but it's like everybody wants, everybody is in the mode that says, I have all this impressive new high-tech instrumentation. And if you can just set a UAP in front of me, I can I can deal with it. I want a new new information. I got to have metadata. I've got to have spectral and like. So you really don't want to look at the radar scout photos from Minot in 1974 that show this thing going at you know no no they they just they don't want to seem to engage with the history and I I don't I don't know why it's like there's if it's not contemporary it doesn't count. Maybe because the amount of the operations that were going on back then between the Russians or how, whatever was going on. I mean, some of those documents, the UAP documents through our historical lens, that could be disinfo for the Russians in case someone thought a Russian spy was in our base or something like that. So I wonder if that just that's just too complicated. Uh, the the ones I'm talking now. about are pretty – I mean, this is the army take, army telling the FBI they're worried, the FBI telling the army to tell the Air Force to investigate it. The Army telling the Air Force and the Air Force saying, uh, we're busy. Now, we we have it documented to the extent that we, I mean, there's a whole paper trail. It goes over the better part of a year in the internal communications. No, they they weren't trying to fool it. We, we have a pretty good, we can look at White Sands and see when the CIA was trying to fool the Russians about stratospheric balloons. The record's that good, uh, that, that good. Campbell's nodding to say it, but I, I, we know enough to know what was happening back then. If if someone were to look at it, uh, what we don't know is right now, Campbell. You can tell me, maybe I'm missing it. Robbie, AARO was talking about reports that they're getting right now. Okay, in their in their last meeting, uh, I still haven't seen a report form. I still haven't seen the reporting process where they're collection, collected, where the offices, and where they're coming from. I mean, NASA will tell me, the guy in the meeting before this said, well, the FAA doesn't make reports. Yes, the FAA makes reports. We know they make reports, but we don't even have the basic skeleton of what's going on now in terms of reporting. I have no idea that Homeland is reporting anything to anybody. And so, Robbie, I guess if, if you want to disclose something, at least AARO could tell us how they're collecting data. I just don't want to see those buckets. Tell me, who are you getting data from? Is it just from the, you know, tell me. You got two internated reports. Where'd they come from? How'd you get them? Did they ever investigate the claims about uh, any evidence or photos from the alleged craft that they shot down? Uh, that's actually that's been covered a lot in the last couple of weeks because the Canadians released a Canadian Air Force report. Campbell, your me memory may be better than mine. The, the U.S. is not. Uh, basically, the U.S. has said we weren't we weren't able to get close enough. We weren't able to actually recover the objects. Uh, the Canadians have said much the same thing, but the Canadians were a little bit more obvious about it. Jesus, Wait, my iPhone has a zoom. What do you mean you're not close enough? Just zoom in that sucker. I can take a good picture of the moon I, with I didn't, mine. I didn't say I believe them. I just said this is what they're saying. <laughs> and no, I, 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 
I have a, a great deal of skepticism about that they could not get close enough, even if they couldn't get onto a glacier to pick it up. That yeah, yeah. Scamble, do you can you comment on that? I recall uh, at the time, uh, several months ago, that the Canadian forces were uh, looking for the wreckage, because if I recall correctly, that one was shot over uh, Yukon Territory shot down. But um, I'm not familiar with uh, a new report. I have not seen that. But uh, from what I know, yeah, like they have not found it. They have not been able to find anything. It was much in the news the earlier part of this week. Last week, it was really a Canadian Armed Forces. Oh, it should be able to find it in the search. And, and basically says they couldn't recover it. You know, there's some descriptions of how big it was. You know, they did they did find them. I that they they did find them, but they were essentially. It sounds like we found them. We looked at them from a distance. We didn't have Robbie's phone, and we decided it wasn't worth the expense to try to go recover them. I like okay. And the one that crashed, I think, the one that crashed close to the Great Lakes. Is described as being a solid physical structure, somewhat uh, dirigible shape, cylindrical shaped, and you really wonder why it wasn't important enough to get to. Yeah, I, I Robbie, I'm with you. There's certainly things I express skepticism about. I, I don't think the government is telling us anywhere close to what they know about these kind of reports going on now. There were three objects that were actually shot down, uh, two by the U.S., one by Canada. None of them were recovered, and we really, other than a general description of size and shape, that's all we have on them. And it all occurred within the same period of time that the Chinese balloon was flying over the U.S. So do you think it's something deeper, like what I believe, which is probably another government's technology or equipment or something like that that's going on? It's a secrecy why they're not sharing such close descriptions of it, because the idea that they just can't get a good picture of it or the idea that they can't come in close enough to it just doesn't make sense. It seems like if there was something that could be a threat to national security at a level of a world planetary thing, something from an outside this universe, and they would do anything they possibly can to make sure that they got that craft or they got that before another government could. I mean, this is just like a Operation Cold Feet, if you ever remember I, what that is. I would, t I would tend to suspect, and we know this, we know that the Chinese have been developing and testing and using several types of structured, I mean, physical structured, well, they're called aero, they're not balloons. In any event, they're, they're, they are filled with gas, but they also have their own propulsion and they're designed for long range surveillance. I have, if you ask me my suspicion, I think the Chinese launched that balloon fully know well, knowing we would pay all the attention we're going to pay to that balloon, and they was going to see if they could sneak these other types of reconnaissance devices across and, and really collect some serious information, lower altitudes, and I think we shot them down. And I think we're never going to tell anybody because shooting down a very high altitude Chinese balloon that they can claim was a scientific research project is totally different. I'm, I'm going to give the Chinese have been very aggressive. They have sent drone storms swarms against our ships off San Diego. They are being very aggressive. We're trying to deal with it, and we're not. This is this is a true national security issue that's not being disclosed.
Do you think so, that that's Campbell, the yeah, reason? Yeah, I think they were real. Do you think that that's the reason why they're doing so many UAP hearings and kind of looking at this alien factor to keep the public away from the discussion that there could be a real threat from another country's government? I mean, it makes a lot more sense if you really look at like you don't want to put their people in a there's I mean, my grandpa was ranting for years about China coming over here. Now, if you really talk about a real possibility of a World War Three or something going on of that sort, then it would make more sense to push the alien factor. If I was in charge, I would much prefer to have a committee hearing where somebody just says, oh, there's no sign of, you know, extraterrestrial intelligence to then to really get into the details of how Chinese drones and Chinese balloons were monitoring all of our naval exercises and testing off Norfolk, New Jersey for three years and we did nothing about it. Yeah, I would prefer that. This has been uh, an element from the very beginning in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, the central focus within the internal declassified documents related to fears about foreign adversaries, uh, obviously historically the Soviet Union. There, it was a central focus of the uh, one of the most famous uh, from uh, Mirage Men, uh, Paul Benowitz. That case, he was an amateur radio uh, guy. He uh, was building receivers at his home, and he happened to live next to an, a military base. And he started picking up their uh, short range broadcasts, and he was picking up like secret classified broadcasts, and then. He contacted the base uh, to tell them because he he believed that they were uh, like communicating with extraterrestrials. And then, uh, you know, it gets murky on what level of uh, the chain of command that went up. But the what we do know is that a, a Air Force intelligence officer there started uh, working with him, trying to uh, minimize the likelihood of him going and talking publicly about this because they were afraid that the Soviets would figure out that they could pick up classified uh transmissions if they just built like amateur receivers right next to radio bases so this fear mixing with the ufo subject about foreign uh governments picking up classified information it's always been there from the start and it's it's almost inextricable at this point it, it's always been that core uh fear within the the memos that we have they're always focusing in on the soviets are the threat so if i was to steal man the uh you know the the uh, people the non-human intelligence uh element of this i would argue that the internal reports indicate to me that the government believes that there are real phenomena being observed their reports seem to indicate that they think that these phenomena are a kind of ball lightning now, to Steelman, the um, UFO advocate position, I would say that the argument then would be that they are missing the point and there is an additional percentage that exceed that those observations. And that's maybe where you could argue the disconnect is. But in my view, the government, the, the internal positions as explained by the declassified documents that we know are credible, that seems to be the consensus and what is being the, the leadership is being briefed on is that this is a national security threat related to uh, disclosure of sensitive information to the Soviets. They are the primary threat. If it is ball lightning, how the hell do you shoot one of those things down? Well, I don't think you could. Well, yeah. well I, I think that's the difference. What, we, what we've never had and what we don't deal with is And we if it don't was the a... Russians, they would have just blamed the Russians. We hate the Russians right now. The American government hates Putin more than anybody or Stalin, whatever his <laughs> name is. 
Campbell's talking about back then for the Russians. Now it's the Chinese. Okay. okay. I, I, you know, but I, I think Robbie, the point is we've never approached it with a taxonomy. I mean, yes, there are real physical things that reflect radar. Okay. And there are other things that look like plasma and there are other things that are strictly experiential and they all get lumped together. So if I'm the government, by the way, and I don't want to deal with this, the good news is I have this big pot to look for and I'll just show you the ball lightning. You know, it's kind of like this. We don't really understand ball lightning. So prove to me that it wasn't. Okay. You know, I I definitely think they got a, definitely a chamber pot of secrets where they just kind of label things. So this is ball lightning and this is that, and this is that, and this is that they've never really investigated a claim is the problem. That's my, that's my whole issue here is they've, I don't think unless they've done it in backdoor channels, I'm sure they've done some of these hearings backdoor. They've probably disclosed more information on things, but I feel like what the public's getting and what the public has questions about have never been fully investigated to the point of like, I mean, if they talk about alien biologics, I hope somebody's finding what they mean by alien biologics because right now we just got photos surfing on the internet that look like it from a fucking G-rated horror movie. So I, I mean, would, but I neither that. AA there is no official body. AARO, NASA, talking about right now, there is nobody that's given a report about alien biologics. Or I mean so unless somebody goes to like I like we talked about earlier, the things are off. If you're a a biological scientist or you're a bioweapons researcher, and you go to AIRO right now, they would be forced to take it. And if you've got credentials and go and you can go make the report to them, I don't know that we'll hear about it. But there's a, I guess what I'm saying is, Robbie, is there's a venue that it could be investigated. Now there wasn't before two years ago. You can't fault anybody for not looking at it because there was there was no place to do any looking um just the ufo community uh and we all know how why do you think the academic community has been silent about it well you know the the academic community hasn't been entirely silent about it that tends to be in terms of the biologics you know i can i can show you medical and scientific studies that have been made of the uh autopsies you know cattle and i mean there have been i can show you universities that have that are in stock country oklahoma new mexico whatever where they the the forestry service or their own uh state government bodies looked into it that that was investigated there's no federal you know it's not a federal case if somebody says, oh, somebody took my cow and I mean, those were looked into as crimes and they because they were reported to police departments or whatever. And there are case files on those. As far as the alien abductions, you know, there have been psychologists and acad- academic people that have looked at that. They're not government people. You know, so it's like the question you're asking People in law enforcement and people in academics have looked at some of these type cases, but not the federal government, because that's not there's you know, did anybody report it? In in some instances, actually, the uh the autopsies, the animal mutilations, the FBI did investigate. I will tell you that. And there are FBI reports on them. Uh 
and they went so far as tracing back the reports to within prison systems to satanic rituals i mean yeah there were there were actually law enforcement a, a lot of it ended up coming from two or three guys in different federal prisons who claimed that it was part of a satanic ritual network uh they couldn't find the network maybe it was there and they just didn't find it but so i guess what i'm trying to parse out is when you ask a question of who's investigated what you got to translate into whose responsibility is it a, a law enforcement thing a national security threat thing is it a uh you know personal injury thing i i was nonplussed when i really dug into the Production thing to find out enough that there were actually extensive social networks, kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, who were convened to treat these. Uh, and, you know, multiple people would get together and share their experiences. Unfortunately, one of the problems is there were only two or three quote unquote researchers who were dealing with all these people and they were all getting intermingled. So amazingly enough, their stories all began to sound alike. Uh, sorry, you ask when you ask these questions, you know what happens? No, I'm not saying as an investigative thing that academics hop on board and want to do an investigation. I meant just more like there's been a lot of people that I've talked to about exoplanets and things that deal in more of the space and alien technology realm that I would think would be voicing their opinion about things and i've spoken to some on my show and they've been pretty baffled by their fellow colleagues who've had this belief in aliens for so long and just any of these hearings it was not of interest to them which to me you know like i said a lot of this that i'm more interested in is the way that this is being displayed to the public because we're already pretty divided as it is on a various amount of subjects and i don't trust the government after all this time coming out and just flipping their opinion after so long which I think we we can all be in kind of agreement with. Now, I don't fall with the skeptics on debunking things because I believe some of these skeptics debunk like the dumbest claims possible. No, not saying you, Campbell. I mean, specifically one person in general that I think we both know, Campbell, who it is. Um, but he, the way that the form is being distributed, it doesn't help any of us. I think everybody's a little bit confused at this point. There's either doubling down on your same points that you've had before on claims that are kind of new, some are easily disputable. Some looks like a flashlight at times. You know, there's easy things like that. But there's also like, I think the government would have more common sense to look at a video of a flashlight shining on a wall and being like, UAPs, and then some guy debunks it like, oh, it's a flashlight. I'm like, hang on a second. The government wouldn't even make a statement about it if it was that. So, you know, and then, I mean, what does that do to NASA's credibility as well, too? I mean, Bill Nelson going up there and talking about certain things that they showed yesterday. Let me let me comment on your thing about academics. And I, I think that's important because I think we'd all agree that especially the physical side, of both sides of the phenomena could be studied by academics. They're research projects. You could. OK, here's the yeah, problem. But you won't have access unless, to the materials. Well, unless you're Avi Loeb and you have te tenure. You're going to kill your career. I know several people in academia who, and I'm not going to go any further, literally will not talk about the subject until they get tenure. It is still so corrosive. They will not submit a research grant because as soon as they do, it's all over. It's the same thing. Alan Hynek re review, interviewed 80 astronomers covertly back around 1950 
Almost all of them were interested in UFOs. All of them told them in private they could never say that in front of their departments. They could never say it in public. It would kill their careers. It is no different now. I, well, I they know just, they just established a whole thing in New Jersey of researching you unidentified aerial phenomena. Well, we have the scientific coalition of, of the there are, but they're not okay. They're not publishing papers necessarily until they get tenure. Okay, they're you know it it doesn't mean they're not interested in them. It means that they're if they if they went in front of a congressional committee, they would be kissing off their career. Oh, look at Dr. McDonald. One of the most classic, one of the best known as atmospheric physicists in the United States who started scientifically investigating it and was crucified to the point where it committed suicide. Th this is not a game. Uh, and I, I talk to real people that say, yeah, I'm interested in it, but, you know, I can't, I can't, I could even, you know, I could, I could. I can't go to my department or I can't get a national show me a national science foundation option that allows them to apply for grants to study this ball lightning. Maybe that's about as close as I have actually seen studies on ball lightning under an SF that's safe. That's about as close as they're going to get to touching it. And that's an interesting uh, point, because that would be my uh, argument, Robbie, about this, is that uh, you could say that it's incorrect. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's some argument that could be, uh, you know, made to say that. Uh, but as of, you know, 69 with the Condon report, I see that as very clearly delineating uh, that this subject, the most exceptional cases, when we look into Blue Book, the Air Force investigators concluded that, and this is quite interesting, Larry, I'd love to hear you sort of comment on this uh, in a second, but like Leveland, uh, and especially mine at 1968, there were observations by an air crew and ground personnel of a luminous object. It was uh, exhibiting all these features, electromagnetic interference, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, sort of like move maneuvering in relation to an aircraft, uh, radar kind of uh, reflections and things like that. The investigator listed all of those elements. And um, in the report, like says, uh, these are all features consistent with an observation of ball lightning. Now, in the science today, peer-reviewed papers, those things are not associated with ball lightning. We don't know that. But they concluded in the Blue Book classified report that this object was likely observed and was likely a uh, ball lightning. Now we can't, if the object was lightly ob uh, likely observed based on the modern, you know, like whatever it's uh, 60 plus years, like the peer reviewed science does not support that conclusion. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, the skeptical take would obviously be, well, it was a mistaken observation. If we take the government uh, reports seriously internally that they used to, as we now know through the declassification process, brief leadership. The internal view is that that was an observation of some kind of ball lightning. And that is the sort of conclusion of the Condon report. And they say that uh, the most significant UFO reports brought uh, interesting elements of atmospheric electricity to our attention. These things are under investigation currently by the Department of Defense and NASA. 
And uh, that's how they sort of conclude. It's like, you know, there are interesting science things happening here. Those have been passed off to the relevant authorities. We're going to continue looking at that. Nowadays, when we have uh, Commander David Fravor with the Nimitz Tic Tac incident in uh, 2004, that's the most famous one now, the object that he is describing exhibits essentially identical behavioral uh, maneuvering characteristics, all that kind of thing, the observables that you would associate with Leveland, Minot, these uh, events that the Air Force concluded an object actually was observed. But now, um, and, and was exhibiting the uh, very interesting, uh, extremely unusual actions. So that makes it really interesting. Now, today, though, Fravor says that, and the conclusion is it was a misidentification of maybe a missile launch from a submarine. There's no room in there whatsoever to say, like, the object with the features that he reported actually exists. And, you know, the conclusion that they would say then is like it was likely ball lightning. That's not even part of the conversation now, even though now ball lightning is verified to exist as of 2014 physical review letters. Larry, why do you think that there's not even any room now in the conversation to suggest that an object with those features was even observed? Like, why have we regressed on that front, do you think? Yeah, we do seem to. And one of the to, to kind of go back to the Minot case, one of the the interesting thing is that it wasn't just Minot. It was like five different bases over a period of three months, same sorts of reports, um, pretty much all at nighttime. So that, you know, okay. But the point is the individual reports, the way they, they dealt with them is they, they would say, well, this part of the report could be ball lightning. This part of the report would be a helicopter because we know it can't be ball lightning because the security forces saw it hovering like 10 feet over the atomic weapons bunkers that you know and it and and oh no by the way we couldn't find the helicopters we could never track them down uh which actually i would be in favor of that yeah like okay you got a choice between a ufo and russian spaznets coming across the canadian border in helicopters i'll go with the ufo okay that's that's better but um they they tend up like, like heineck said you can explain any UFO, UA report with something you don't know. I mean, that's that's always a legitimate explanation. It's sort of like it could be, I can't say it is, but we're still going to write it off as maybe. And and actually, the Air Force came up. I loved it. At a point in time, they came up with it's not unidentified. It's not identified. It's maybe. And they really played some games with their statistics from there. You can see that, that makes the rings really good. But to answer your question, I think the the things that we're seeing reported now, uh, especially like in the tick, they're being they're being captured on video. We're getting infrared. We're getting radar tracking, which is going to make it a lot harder to explain with what we do know about ball lightning now I, I think you've captured it we know enough about ball lightning and some things like uh sp plasma spikes and some other things we know a lot more about as atmospheric phenomena and what we know doesn't match with these reports i mean you you can't really tell 10 navy pilots that saw a, a cube setting inside a circle 
maneuvering near their aircraft in daylight that it's ball lightning. You know, so it, I guess my answer to you is, I don't think it's an easy explanation as it was before. Things are just getting tougher because we have learned more about that particular or those atmospheric phenomena. Um, I, I guess my question but, for Campbell is, do you think that do you honestly trust the government's official conclusion in one of those reports? Well, I, I wouldn't say that I trust it. No, uh, if the UK, you know, and US uh, reports, and um, I guess to some extent, the CIA memos were independent of uh, peer reviewed evidence that ball lightning exists, and uh, the peer reviewed papers that demonstrate that you can reliably replicably produce uh, scaled versions of ball lightning in the lab, like that information supports strongly to me that the there is something to be said there i think the argument would be um if i was going to steel man the ufo advocate position i would say that uh the government has identified a novel phenomenon way in advance of the public and uh, are then uh, taking that and attributing uh, the most unique smallest percentage of cases onto that as larry said because we don't know all of the features of ball lightning we then throw the most unusual things and uh, just expand what we think ball lightning can do. Um, you know, I my perspective is from natural philosophy, uh, I have a philosophy background. I would argue that I believe it's more likely uh, that it is a natural phenomenon that's being observed. I am not saying I, that it's, I think that's certainly the case. Absolutely not. And the government has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of reports from the government where they say they're certain of something and it turns out to not be, correct after a while. So uh, I don't think we should uh, assume the government's right about that. But I think that those documents can show us maybe what the government thinks is happening uh, in a collective sense. Obviously, they're individuals, uh, but but it doesn't mean that they're correct about that. It shows us what the government is telling itself. And I think we always have to be aware that the government doesn't want to give itself bad news. Because if the if the government gives itself bad news, and all, looking back to those, because I've read all of those reports from the northern tier bases, if they had been forced to accept that this stuff was real, I'm not kidding. They would have like, okay, are the Russians coming across the border and testing out our missile sites for penetration? I mean, you, you don't you don't want to reach conclusions that you have to tell your boss, and your boss has to do something about it. I mean, that back in one of the things that killed the first UFO reports is that air technical intelligence would tell the chief of air intelligence that they're real. And the chief of air intelligence did not want to tell the secretary of defense that because the secretary of defense would say, what are you doing about it? And you would have to say nothing. We can't, we have no, you know, so I, I think you captured it really well and something we don't say that well. The documents show what the government was telling itself. Just like the Condon Committee report shows what the investigation was telling Condon. Even if one of my favorites out of the Condon investigation is one incident, the, the explanation is something like, this is a physical phenomena that has never been observed before and may never be observed again. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, but I, I, it had to tell itself that in order not to deal with it. So in order not to deal with something, yeah, I, I think I need to say that's a good, Campbell, I have to 
have to use that more often. The documents tell us what the government is telling itself uh, and telling higher commands. It, it's interesting. I can I can look at a document written down at a field level, and that document will say, "This is this is a national security problem. This is either a Russian doing this or that." And when it gets up a couple of levels, that goes away because the opinion of the field was too radical for senior command to want to deal with or, or to deal with. Uh, anyway, so no, Robbie, I don't trust them. I just don't understand. I mean, our government must be incompetent as all heck if uh, how many reports do I read or come across as say inconclusive or not enough evidence to support where it to me it just doesn't I don't trust anything really sometimes when I read out of these documents uh just our because government is no different than industry I will if you've been inside corporate America how many documents are written down it's like if we don't do something our competitors are going to kill us do you think that document makes it to the board of directors no I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of documents that are just protected for national security reasons but I think when we look at what we're basing a lot of this evidence and a lot of claims to suggest what is and what isn't we're using things that are coming from the government and stuff that's been released to the public which you have to know that there's might be a slight bit of misinformation and bullshit on purpose because they know we're not the only ones viewing these that's my only point I'm more skeptical of the government, everything that they're doing, because I think it's all a giant push for more funding or if it's getting funneled somewhere else or it's a justification for the spending issues that they have. I have no clue, but they're getting elite people with huge statuses and have somehow built up a name in the industry to be able to pitch their message. And that's a problem because the public believes that message. I believe everything is a deception act. Now, I don't believe every single thing is lightning ball phenomenon. I don't believe if they'd really shot something down and that's lightning ball. I think that might be some other drone style thing. From what I've been hearing, it seems like a lot of these things are unmanned aircrafts that are probably technologies that the government's working on. And when those messages do get relayed out to the public, it's not just a message for us. It's a message to the people that would actually understand what that message is. And that's our competitors. That's we have this technology and it can break gravity or physical dimensions as we know them. So there you go. Whether that's, I don't know if it's a fake or if it's misinformation, I have no clue. They haven't support, supported any evidence for their claims, but why would they? Well, it uh, makes you know, sense, or do I seem like a conspiracy person? That's fine. I'm like, <laughs> well, well if you, again, Bucket. I think, Robbie, it, <laughs> you think of it as a, I don't think of it as a conspiracy. I think this is just the way everything, the world works in social dynamics. And policy, whether it is government or corporate or, you know, information is always managed and transmitted with agendas, you know, and we, we should expect that. That's one of the reasons in our studies that we do of UAPs, we won't take anything other than first person, first report out of the field, reported legally, and that's what we use. We're, we're not going to take. We're not going to assume anything that follows after that has not been translated. Blue Book didn't come up with a different explanation. So, I, but this is, it's its just, it's not any different with UAPs than anything else. Look at, look at police work or, yeah. you know, the, the thing that the DA says is not the guy that the patrolman on the beat said. Why don't they just hook up Cruz or any of those guys in those UAP hearings to a polygraph test? Um, 
Well, for one thing, polygraphs are no longer acceptable. They're pretty unreliable. Then how come um, we got another method to tell if someone's telling the truth. Hook a car battery up to them. See what happens. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, Campbell, did he say that he thought the hearings were a little over the top already? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't I hear that earlier? Like, oh, we got a little too much drama going on here. Good. Uh, that but, would liven things up. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. At least entertain me while you're doing it. I, I email a committee chair that <laughs> suggestion and, and we'll get back with you. Somebody do one happens. of those really crappy phone recordings while they're in the skiff. That's like on the floor under Ugh. a jacket that picks <laughs> up like every third word where it says body alien found. Right. Uh, I just wanted to comment, Robbie, on what you were uh, mentioning. I think that the language and the communication strategies are like present in all of the communities in the skeptic community as well i i experience it a lot there's a lot of conversation where like like i find these old documents very interesting where the government documents are indicating that they believe something with the features of a classic ufo was observed that's pretty neat to me i like to sort of like think about that and get into that when I'm talking to uh, fellow skeptics often about like whether UAP exists, the first response is always, yeah, of course, UAP exists because UAP is anything. Uh, to me, you know, you know, I took my undergraduates in philosophy. That's just language games. We all know what we're saying when we say the UAP, that we're not talking about the seagull, that when you get closer, you see it's a seagull. We're talking about the objects with the exceptional That's features. That's one big that ass people... seagull. Let me tell you well, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with some pretty remarkable uh, aerodynamical uh, characteristic. Exactly. So that's the point. Like we aren't talking to, like when we say it offhand, we're trying to get at the uh, precise thing that is interesting and unique uh, because otherwise we're just talking about air clutter and stuff. And like, you know, very few people really care that much about that it is a relevant subject of uh you know interest but it's not exactly what most maybe people the in james webb being. telescope set maui on fire and that's why they're talking about uap hearings they're trying to deflect from the james webb telescope you know that was already a thing right what lasers from the sky twitter massive twitter influx on yes uh lahaina was burned by super laser weapons from the sky and that it was part of a conspiracy of the land developers who had not been able to acquire Lahaina land well, from the, the Tulsi, natives. Tulsi and Gabbard this is just said that on Tulsi Gabbard, the presidential candidate or was running for presidential candidates, just actually talked about that. And they interviewed a bunch of people that, that Maui thing, I do believe, because I think their full, first rule thing now is that they talked about and that no corporations are allowed to buy up the property of Maui because that was their first initial statement was that they were going to buy up the property and then try and rebuild. But I was like, are you actually going to rebuild how they want you to rebuild? Or are you just going to put a fucking store there? Like I have family that live in Maui. They, they I was just going with the space tomorrow. lasers. They're, they're, I mean, they're... I was just going with the space lasers. I'm not lasers. doing that. I know what caused it. It was a uh, <laughs> electric wire that's they should have shut off the power during a storm like they're supposed to. And they didn't. And, uh, trying to get more money it's a corporation thing that's the issue um but no, the space telescope i don't know i haven't seen any fucking pictures in a while let me tell you something yeah i want i wanted to uh, just draw attention really uh quickly here though to sort of you were mentioning about like people's uh intentions and uh what they're aiming for in the subject and i just wanted to mention uh david grush the recent uh whistleblower that's getting all this information uh you know pub publicity it <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, 
he in his hour-long uh news nation interview he was asked directly about the gimbal video which is the most famous of these most recent uh videos declassified by the navy uh mick west uh, did the extensive analysis on it and he concluded that it's most likely a distant airplane that has been misidentified and uh, then in his interview david grush who we know is saying uh that he thinks that all of this stuff is a mixture of you know potentially interdimensional non-human intelligence with mixed with uh more classic kind of like nuts and bolts uh visitors so he's saying he thinks that it's a mixture of those things. But then when it came to Gimbal and he was being asked about it, like, you know, Mick West did this thing. He thinks it's a plane. What's your thoughts on what are your thoughts on that? We know Grush is, uh, you know, in this and motivated. He says in that interview, well, you know, I got people in the government to investigate it. Look at that uh, uh, video. They concluded it's not a plane. And then he says, it, we think it might be some kind of unusual natural phenomenon, but it's not a plane. Now, this is a guy, Doug Grush, who is on the record saying he thinks that fundamentally the UAP subject, the heart of it relates to non-human intelligences, interdimensional or, or uh, you know, from aliens from space coming, a mixture of the two. So we know that he thinks that those objects are coming here. And then in relation to the most famous recent event about UFOs, he uh, concludes that it's likely a natural phenomenon that was filmed with unusual characteristics consistent with the conclusions of, you know, Condon and uh, UK MOD reports saying that they think the most unusual ones are ball lightning. He would have no motivation to negate that uh, observation in that way. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that up to say that there is even within the people who are uh you know trying to lead the charge into getting the government to reveal these uh, fundamental uh secrets that they believe are being kept about non-human intelligence even them uh will be clear in saying that there's this mixture of these most exceptional observations occurring regularly and there's something to that potentially larry what do you think of that uh, uh well I, I think Grush is kind of in a trap at the moment. Grush, Grush has gone way out on the limb, and Grush needs to be appear to be very sane and rational. And and one of the things I've seen in other venues, if you know, there tends to be a balancing act that follows. You know, I've I've already said enough radical stuff. Now I need to sound like I'm more objective, right? That that could be a thing, but. I, I, what I think about Mick West is that uh, if I were one of the radar operators on the Hawkeye aircraft and one of the long-range radar operators with the task force that were monitoring every aircraft, ship, and sub within a range of 300 miles of that task force, and it is a security zone, by the way, declared off limits to all aircraft, I would tell Mick that he ought to go to a Navy bar and throw that out to them and see who hit him first. Uh, you know, because I think it's just ridiculous. Uh, oh, the Navy fooled itself. They're out there to monitor everything around these aircraft. And it actually was another aircraft and they couldn't see it. So either we're woefully inept or, you know, like, wait a minute. Um, so... I think Mick is is much like Phil Kloss. 
he has an agenda. He has a hobby. And you can always come up. I, I'm still a believer in Heinem. You can always come up with a rational explanation for anything. Doesn't mean it's right. You can just come up with it. Well, that's uh, like all these skeptics, Shermer and all them all have talking points on things, but you see their argument fall apart. You know, it's uh, the only thing I don't like about Crush, whatever his name is. I'm tired of pronouncing it, to be honest with you. Um, when when he was in the hearing, he said something that really ticked me off. And it was when they asked him about whatever did you say you saw alien biologics? And he goes, well, like I stated in my Newsmax interview. And I go, do you think she fucking watched your Newsmax interview? Do you think she even knows who you really are? She showed up to this thing. She probably pulled a straw out of a hat and got the short one. And was like, fuck, I'm about to be here for the next three hours doing with this crap. I saw her tune in in the middle of the questioning, though. She asked one thing and she was like, are they this? And like, that's when you saw her stop, like reading off a list. And she actually started being like interested in the conversation. I was like, there we go. There we go. That's what I want to see. I, I just get I got tired of them repeatedly asking him questions that anybody would know he could answer. You know, I'm going to ask a question about, you know, who you talk to and something that's classified, and I don't have a classification. I, he just should have had a card that says, you people are not asking me decent questions. You know, no, just no. Oh, I you think I the questionings were bad? Oh, I think the questionings were uh, not universally bad. They, they were uninformed. I cannot call a guy yeah, in. But did you notice she said her, her name tag said MS? That means she's single, Larry. <laughs> I was more like thinking of the older lady talking about the Chinese oh, balloon. But I didn't pay attention I, I did, to her. I do. I know the lady that you're talking about, and she has a very aggressive political agenda. And she was she's it. out to uncover hidden government monies. That AOC have been, was there too. I was like, hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, where was my but ticket? No, to I this? think they were uninformed. These Sorry. these people aren't on a security committee. They really don't know who should know what and who has access to what. And so they were asking him questions. I did feel some, that that he couldn't answer. And it's like, when are you guys going to get through your head that you're wasting your time? Because he's not going to answer that. He can't legally. So I'm not even sure what you were getting. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure what you thought you would get out of it. The, the committee chair didn't Something, do a very good job. A fucking keychain would have been nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take this like? Koozie cup or water yeah, things. Yeah, for me. yeah. Can, Can I, I have like... that water bottle that that one lady drank out of? Would be nice. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I hate kidding. to say this, Robbie. I'm going to have to run. We're, we're, we're wrapping it this. up, Larry. I want to give you uh, time to promote your links and Campbell. Let you promote your links as well too. It's been a pleasure chatting with you guys again. Seriously, I love getting together with you. I'd say do it once a month, but I don't think I can handle it. Um, <laughs> Larry, where can people find you, man? Uh, the best place to find my work actually is on Amazon. I mean, I have a Larry Dash Hancock website, but all my books are listed on Amazon. I have an author's page, so that's probably the best thing. Or I do a WordPress blog also, so you can just do Larry Hancock on WordPress and find my blog. I've been posting a lot about UAPs lately. Campbell? Yeah, I'm, uh, well, formerly Twitter, now X, at UAP Study, my website, UAPstudy.com, and I'm a co-host on the YouTube show, The Invisible Night School, at The Invisible Night School on Twitter. 
talk about UAP and other anomalous phenomena from, uh, well, a mixture of subjects. It's a four-person panel, so we uh, have a nice mix of uh, opinions and discussions. I'm thanks for uh, having uh, having me on, uh, Robbie. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, the interesting conversation, Larry. It's always uh, good to chat. I'm going to link all those in the description. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Blank Podcast.